<laughs> hey. Hi. Welcome everybody back to Whatever the Weather, the podcast. Uh, I'm meteorologist Sarah Spivey. And I'm meteorologist Katie Blake. Did you catch that part? We're meteorologists, degreed scientists in the field in which we study, which is meteorology. We don't have a degree in radio or podcasting, however, nope. but we're going to do our best. This podcast, we kind of took a little hiatus. I think yeah. the last time we, we did a podcast was in October. We are on holiday. And it's the new year. It's 2021 to nope. 2022. Nope. <laughs> I didn't even mean to do that. Oh, uh, I have no idea what year it is. Every I time I have to, I'm like, what? Yeah. Um, my husband will be celebrating his third birthday in the pandemic. Oh. Coming up, so. Boo. I feel like. Be every birthday from now on will be it was either like bc before covid or ac after covid after covid right all right well today <laughs> what a great start. we're gonna it, we're coming up on the one year anniversary of the february 2021 historic winter storm deep freeze across texas so we're gonna kind of do a uh recap of that event and talk about what it was like to be a meteorologist actually covering that event. Oh my gosh. There are events in your life as a meteorologist that mm-hmm. you remember. I think for us, Katie, Hurricane Harvey, mm-hmm. uh, probably when you were younger, a lot of different other kinds of hurricanes, different tornado events. But I think for both of us, yeah, this one was a doozy. February mm-hmm. 2021 winter storm. Yeah, definitely. It takes the cake in a number of ways. You'll notice that we do not call it Winter Storm Yuri. Nope. Because, why is that, Katie? Um, Because the Weather Enterprise as a whole, we don't name winter storms. No, not officially. The NOAA, the, the government agency. Yeah. The only, only thing weather-related that gets a name are tropical systems, tropical mm-hmm. cyclones, uh, hurricanes. That's the National Hurricane Center. They name tropical cyclones. That's it. Nothing else gets named. So where does, you know, the the names for winter storms come from? That was a, and I don't remember when this started, but it's strictly a, the weather channel thing. Yeah, it's a branding thing for them, for yeah. sure. They started doing it. It's part of their coverage, um, but that's not something that the weather enterprise as a whole recognizes. But it does, and we saw this with Get traction. 2021. It, it gets traction. It sticks. And I was telling you before we started recording, during that time and even in the weeks and months after, I kept getting comments on social media and questions about Yuri. And I was like, I don't- Who's that? Who is that? <laughs> and I finally, I was like, I don't know who Yuri is. And yeah. Someone was like, oh, that's the name of the winter storm. And I was like, well, not really. And well, it shows no. that it shows that Katie and I weren't really we were busy covering San Antonio weather, not really watching the weather channel during that event. Yeah. But yeah. we'll get to that in just a while. But first we wanted to start off with what we usually talk about, which is, you know, the best part of your week. So what yeah. was that, Katie? Starting us off real positive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um oh my gosh. I I was thinking it's been a pretty chill, non-eventful mm-hmm. week. Um I watch a show on Discovery um, or the Travel Channel called The Dead Files, which is like a paranormal ghost show. That's something I'm really into in there. It was a new season dropped. And so I just binged my way through that. And uh, 
That was nice. We're fitting right into the targeted <laughs> profile for uh, paranormal activity and <laughs> true crime podcasts. Being. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, That's awesome, Katie. What about you? Okay. Please well, have something more interesting. Um, I made a pie for the first time ever. Yeah. It was pretty legit. I made a key lime pie with a homemade graham cracker crust. That sounds really good right It was now. delish. It was dense, what but made, it was good. What made you pick key lime? wanted a bit of summer in the middle of winter. I like it. Okay. <laughs> I can respect that. So that's great. So uh, the other thing, you okay? Yeah. Did you drop a pen or yeah, something? Yeah, I don't need it, I don't think. Right. Yeah. Okay, so here we go. Continuing on. So um, the other thing we do at the top of every episode is we answer your questions, which uh, can be asked on ksat.com under mm-hmm. the we- whatever the weather section. You know, we have a little prompt where you can ask your weather questions, and we like to answer two every episode, one each person. So first up, we've got a question from Arnold L. Hey, Arnold. Um, I suffer from mountain cedar when it rolls in. So do I. Why the name Mountain Cedar if it comes from the hill country? There are no mountains. Does Texas even have mountains? Well, yes. We, Texas does have mountains out in Big Bend. You know, we've got the Chisos Mountains. We've got the lower Rockies out in the west. But in the hill country, there's no mountains. It's just hills. So a bigger question is why is it even called cedar to begin with? It's ash juniper. It's actually a juniper tree. You'll notice that the mountain cedars uh, trees produce juniper berries, something that people make gin out of (laughs) and uh, other, Mm -hmm. other medicinal purposes. Mm -hmm. So it's a juniper tree, but the reason why it's called a cedar tree is because the first European settlers in the hill country, they thought they reminded them of, of cedar trees back at home. So we've oh. just kept with the tradition. Mountain cedars were also a lot less prominent back in the day uh, because there would be a lot of uh, wildfires. And now there's there's less of that in Texas. And so uh, mountain cedar trees are a burden. The mountain cedar season, a lot of people are allergic to it. It peaks in mid-January and ends toward the uh, Valentine's Day holiday. So, yeah, good question. Great a lot of question. people are always interested about Absolutely. Mountain Cedar, especially people that move here. This, this, like, they go through their first senior season. Um, they're like, "What is happening?" I'll never forget. I got married in in mid January, mm-hmm. peak of Mountain Cedar season. My friend was my bridesmaid. She came from out of town with her little ch- child, and they were so allergic to Mountain Cedar. It was horrible. Oh no. But and so much so that she's like, I will never come visit you during mountain cedar season ever again. I was like, all right, cool. I mean, <laughs> that being mountain cedar. Good question. All right. My question comes from Alan S. And Alan submitted this back in, this is July, when we first started to pick Revamping the podcast yeah. back up. Um, so I just want to mention that because if you have a question for us and – just we will get to it we've we've got a healthy bank still to go to but if you think of something leave it for us we'll see it and and we'll get to them all so don't be deterred um alan said this is how (laughs) a while back he said hey guys welcome back a&m rules and texas tech drools whoop gig'em lol lol alan um i he said had to get that out there all right jk my question is what is the difference between humidity and dew point great question also thanks for bringing this back it helps to know a little about this stuff 
Thanks, Alan. We do love it. We do love it. So big difference right off the bat. And dew point and humidity are usually talked about together. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I think they can be kind of confusing. But the biggest difference is that dew point is a temperature. So we've got the actual air temperature, say outside the air temperature is 52. And the dew point, 52 degrees, the dew point is also a temperature. So air temperature 52, the dew point could be 32, something like that, where relative humidity or humidity is a percentage. And for these purposes, we're just going to interchange humidity with relative humidity. Um, however, they they are connected. They're not the same thing and they're measured in different ways, but they are connected. So the dew point is the temperature that air needs to be cooled to for the hu- relative humidity to be at 100%. So the higher the dew point, the greater the amount of moisture in the air. Yeah, absolutely. The way I like to think about it is is the dew point is the point at which dew would form on the grass because that's how it would be. The air would be completely saturated that dew would form. And when the air temperature and the dew point are the same, that's when we have things like dew and fog. So when we're forecasting for fog, We need our air temperatures to be right at the dew point temperatures, and we also need light or calm winds. But the temperature and dew point, really important when it comes to forecasting fog. Um, If you're talking about overall comfort level, so how muggy it may feel outside, the lower the dew point number, the better. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the lower that dew point number is, the drier the air is going to be and the less muggy it is going to feel. Great. And and something else I would say is like if the dew point is at 60 degrees or greater, you're likely going to feel some sort of humidity outside. So, And we have that a lot here in this in this part of Texas. Usually, especially in the warmer months, we're stuck in that 60s, sometimes even getting into 70s. Absolutely. Blech. Great questions, guys. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. All right, we're going to start our topic of the week, which is the February 2021 winter storm. Yeah. So, oh man, the first thing I thought we would do is just like a basic timeline of what happened, just to remind everyone, although I don't think that many people need reminding of what (laughs) happened. But, you know, Katie, thinking back to things, you know, we had an understanding about a week before Mm -hmm. uh, the historic storm that at some point we were going to be very cold and we were probably going to see some kind of wintry precipitation. Which is not unusual. No. Every year in, well, at least the last five years that Katie and I have been here, we've had some kind of wintry precipitation and we have cold every year too. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't though until Thursday, February 11th, that we had a clear understanding that we would spend several days below freezing, which Mm -hmm. is rare to spend several days below freezing. That's very rare for us in San Antonio. And although the storm hadn't even arrived in San Antonio, we could see what was coming. You remember that uh, on that Thursday up in DFW area, there was a 130 vehicle pile up. Do you remember that? That's right. Yeah, Yeah. That was major news because it killed six people and ended up hospitalizing 65. And those pileups are are devastating. So so we could see, you know, oh, this is probably going to be a bit of a a nightmare of a storm. And so we dipped below freezing Friday night, February 12th, and we stayed below freezing all the way from Friday until that Wednesday. So for several days, snow and precipitation started to fall Sunday night, which was Valentine's Day. Yeah. 
February 14th, and San Antonians that morning, that Monday morning, woke up to a winter wonderland. It was amazing to see all the snow that had fallen, and we'll talk about amounts in a little while. But later that Monday morning, as people were waking up to the snow, the mood started to change when CPS started issuing those quote-unquote rolling blackouts, uh, which were anything but rolling, you know? Yeah. It was a long, long time without power. That was early Monday morning. From snow to ice, San Antonio facing another deep freeze tonight. I'm Tim Gerber. And I'm Myra Arthur. There continues to be problems with the power supply staying warm and the possibility of fires. Later, we would discover that ERCOT, the Texas power grid, it had failed. And at one point, almost 3 million Texans were without power. And because there was no power to pump the water, many were without water too. And, and I just remember, you know, personally, even just melting snow for our toilets or melting ice because there was no water <laughs> pumping through at, at one point for many people. Now, eventually, ERCOT would end those statewide outages Thursday. So from Monday to Thursday, there were power outages, which is insane. And and that means that three days after the outages began, they finally started to end. That's a long time without power. So Thursday was also the last day that San Antonio would see snowfall. And we would finally thaw out Friday, February 19th with sunshine and a high in the 60s. So it started that early Sunday night. Late Sunday night, February mm-hmm. uh, 14th, and lasted all the way through Friday morning. Yeah. A long time. It was, um, I remember Sunday night, it started for us as some freezing rain. Mm-hmm. And then late in the overnight, we got the snow. And I remember I, and during this whole time, we mostly, not just the weather team, but also other KSAT employees stayed at a hotel just walking distance from the station. So I remember Sunday night snow, um, and we were switching off shifts. Mm -hmm. And so I went to the hotel room, got some sleep, woke up Monday. I remember opening the curtains and it was sunny and there was snow all over the place. And I was like, wow. And, uh, and then I turned on our newscasts, our morning newscasts. And that's when we had started getting word about the blackouts and people that didn't have power and yeah what you said was so i think that sums it up perfectly the mood quickly switched it Absolutely. was not fun anymore justin really and i were here um in the morning and we had just done the morning newscast and we had a little bit of a break between the 10 a.m and the and the noon and it was right in that mid-morning period that people were starting to realize that power had started to go out for many folks. And we were doing a Facebook Live or an Instagram Live or something like that. And mm-hmm. we were like, wow, look at all this snow. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. And then, oof, we were getting calls you into the weather department yeah. from people who were struggling without power. Like, can somebody help us? Can somebody help us? They were calling the weather department, obviously, because, you know, it was a weather event. And it was just, Katie, it was it was incredible. Why don't you talk a little bit about how cold it got in the snowfall that we got? And we can talk a little later about how our responses to everything. Went. Yeah, I mean, so the, the snow and, and the precipitation itself that really wasn't the issue the biggest problem was just how cold it got and for how long that was where our power grid just yeah and again we talk about it all the time but like if this had just been a cold and snow event i think 
it would not have had as much of a psychological impact. But right. since the power went out, that was the whole thing. Yeah. And now it's that's that's what everyone remembers. So yeah, let's talk temperatures here. So how cold did it get? I'm gonna start off with wind chill, which is an apparent temperature, what it feels like to our body. So you have the air temperature and then when you factor in the wind, that gives you the wind chill. And that can be dangerous when these numbers get low enough. And we were getting into that kind of territory. The lowest wind chill we recorded here in San Antonio was negative eight. So eight degrees below zero. And we just never see wind chills below zero. Like teens, yeah. And that's like a bad day. If we get wind chills in the teens, that's like I'd not fun. I'd say we fun. get that like every year though, at least once. At wind least, chills in the teens. Yeah. And it's like, that's the coldest, you know, point of the winter and then we're fine. So we were, <clears throat> we were talking sub-zero wind chills here and that was the morning of February 15th. So that negative eight degree wind chill was the second coldest wind chill since records have been kept on that statistic, which is only back to 1947. But even since 1947, second coldest, that is that's definitely significant. So the coldest wind chill we've ever had was 12 below. So we were pretty close. Yeah, we were there. We were pretty close. And that was in 1949. So 12 below our lowest wind chill in 1949. In 2021, we got to eight below. So overall, San Antonio has only seen sub-zero wind chills eight times since 1947. So it just Crazy. doesn't does not happen that often. Um, and the, our weather service office that is physically in New Braunfels, but they cover Austin and San Antonio. When we had that eight below wind chill on the 15th, that's the first time that that office issued a wind chill warning. So that's for dangerous wind chills. Just like we have severe thunderstorm yeah. warnings for dangerous storms, <clears throat> they issued a wind chill warning for wind chills that were so low if you weren't dressed properly. We're right. talking frostbite and all that stuff that we just don't have to worry no. about here typically. And speaking of warnings, remember when the entire state of Texas was under a winter storm warning? Yeah, that Every was, single uh, county. That doesn't happen either. No. That was crazy. Crazy times. All right. So that was the wind chill. Now let's talk actual air temperature. So this was the problem. We spent 107 and a half hours at or below 33 degrees. More than four days. Yeah. So that that was the problem. The power grid buckled there and it just couldn't recover. So starting on February 12th and continuing through early on the morning of February 17th, San Antonio was below freezing. Amazingly, this came up to just 90 minutes short of the record for being <laughs> below freezing. That was 109 hours in January of 1951. Just an so, hour and a half short. Again, second place. Second place, coldest wind chill. Second place, longest time below freezing. Um, and this is the latest in a winter season that we've had a stretch like that below freezing. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, all right, five record lows. Here's the last temperature statistic for you. Five record low temperatures in one week. So at the airport where we keep our temperature records, there were record low temperatures set on Valentine's Day, the 14th, the 15th, the 16th, the 19th, and the 20th. And the morning lows on those days, respectively, were 13, 9. Yeesh. That was our coldest morning nine low, 9 degrees. degrees. <laughs> Just 9, 12, <laughs> 19 degrees, and 26. Sounds like Powerball numbers. Degrees, I know. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was not. It was not that fun. No. So, um, 
incredibly cold there. And again, that was that was the problem when power goes out and it is that cold. I mean, people just couldn't you, – you can't get yourself warm. Like you no. with a jacket on, it's still – very cold. And, and we, we'll talk about we'll talk about how people handled that cold and how it was dangerous in in a, in a little while, but we can predict the weather. We can predict those temperatures. Mm-hmm. You and I can't predict whether or not ERCOT has their right. act together. Right. <laughs> and so I think Katie, that was the most one of the most difficult parts about being a meteorologist during this time is we could just tell people about the weather. We couldn't yeah. tell them when the power is going to come on, when you're going to feel okay, all that stuff. It, and it was just tough to see our, our our community suffering in that way. And it was just such a, I mean, we pretty much on Monday when things really started to go downhill, South, yeah. we could see that the rest of the week, I mean, we really weren't going to start to feel any relief until that Friday, Friday and the weekend. Yep. So we knew that we were going to have to get through pretty much four solid days, not just with it being cold, but with another batch of snow by Thursday. And so that was really, yeah, that, that was, that was tough. That was difficult. Talk about that snow, like how much we saw, because it really was very much like we lived up in Michigan or, <laughs> or like Canada. It was insane. Yeah. Every, I mean, this was not the like only like elevated surfaces covered or anything like that. I mean, everything. Keep in mind that there were people in San Antonio that never seen this much snow before in their life, if snow yeah. at all. So so this was the first time this stretch was the first time uh, for San Antonio that we received snow on four separate calendar days. So January 10th. That's Sunday night. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. That's before the event. Yeah. January 10th before That was the event. before, but that was two-tenths of an inch, so not little Anything. bit of ice, a little bit of snow. Valentine's Day, That's when Sunday. it all first started to get going, yeah. 1.2 inches. And then into the next day, so Valentine's Day into the 15th, then another two and a half inches. Mm-hmm. And then February 18th, that That's was Thursday. Thursday, another two and a half inches. I remember driving through that snow because keep in mind that we had been at the station since that Sunday. And, you know, by that time, you know, I had to go home and see my husband and my cat. <laughs> and so at that point, it was just snow. It wasn't ice. So I was able to drive home. But mm-hmm. it was just, I was driving home. I was like, I cannot believe this is happening again. Where <laughs> no. are we? Iowa? I know. No, Texas. Even uh, even with all that, though, it was the third snowiest winter of all time. That's incredible. Which is really interesting to think about. So in the winter of 1984 to 1985, San Antonio got 15.9 inches. And a lot of people here in San Antonio remember that winter. Yeah. We always, 85, uh, 84 to 85. We get pictures when the anniversary of yeah, that, absolutely. that rolls around. And then back in 1925 to 1926, that winter, 7.4 um inches so third snowiest um so again, almost the, six and a half inches. the snow was not the problem the snow the would have been beautiful on yeah. its own and we could have dealt with it and in a way but... the snow helped because we melted it for our toilets because we had no water <laughs> so very crazy. good point so i just wanted to talk a second about 
again, the damages uh, across the state of Texas is both the, the, you know, the human damages and also the cost economically. So I found this phenomenal article from uh, the Comptroller's website, comptrollertexas.gov. It's an article called Winter Storm Yuri, which again, we don't refer to it as Yuri, <laughs> 2021. It's called The Imp- Economic Impact of the Storm. It's by somebody named Jess Donald. And you should absolutely check this article out because it's it's very much in detail. Uh, we could probably even provide a link to the article in mm-hmm. the uh, KSAT article that we make about it. But sh- she said that a survey conducted by the University of Houston Hobby School of Public Affairs found that more than two out of three or 69% of Texans lost power at some point during that winter storm. That is almost half half or at least 49% had disruptions in water service as well. So more than two thirds power outages, mm-hmm. almost half uh, water outages. And the storm unfortunately contributed to at least 210 deaths. And that's uh, according to the Texas Department of State Health Services. Most of those fatalities were attributed to A, hypothermia, because again, of the amount of cold, vehicle crashes from ice and snow on the roads, and then this part is is just horrible for me. Carbon monoxide poisoning. Because people because we're so not used to this kind of cold mm-hmm. here in Texas, there's not a huge education about carbon monoxide poisoning yeah. from from uh, generators uh, or even people since they didn't have power in their houses, they would go out to their cars in their garage, turn it on to get warm Mm -hmm. uh, and not realize that you have to keep the the garage door open. So carbon monoxide poisoning and uh, chronic medical conditions that were complicated by the storm. According to an estimate from the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, Texas agriculture experienced losses of more than $608 million. And it found out that not only did the ranchers lose their cattle, sheep, goats, and poultry to extreme cold, but much of the grazing grain was lost as well. Again, this is according to Jess Donald's article. Uh, It left the farmers without the the grazing grass, so they had to buy additional feed. So that costs money. And then, in fact, some like dairy farmers were forced to dump their milk because of the traffic difficulties during the storm. Yeah. Uh, so they weren't able to get to, to where they needed to go. Uh, and because it hit during birthing season, so calving birthing season is in February, it led to the loss of, unfortunately, newborn calves and lambs. And so overall, the agricultural cost uh, for ranchers was uh, $228 million. And that same group estimated that even citrus farmers in, in the Rio Grande lost more than 60% of their crops. Um, vegetables and fruit mainly that were affected were onions, leafy greens, and watermelons. So big economic impact from the storm. And of course, yeah. the human toll too with 210 deaths at least uh, from the storm itself. And I, I'm I don't want to speak for you, Katie, but I think you and I feel the same way. That was the hardest part mm-hmm. about this storm was knowing how many people were suffering and mm-hmm. how little, you know, we could do. But at the same time, I don't think that I have ever been a- appreciated more, that we've ever been appreciated more than we were during this time, too, by mm-hmm. by the community. They reached out to us to say thank you. And and that was just such a huge honor too to to feel that way, yeah. you know, because 
you know, people didn't have their TVs also because power was out. So the only way to get to people was on the phone. Mm -hmm. And so we would do these long app weather casts mm -hmm. and we would send out push notifications to their phones and, and, and all that stuff. And it was just trying to find this new innovative way to reach people in the middle of a weather crisis. So I don't know. It was just, it was crazy. Yeah. That's the one word I have for it is crazy. I didn't, um, I don't think I really stopped to, because when we were working that week, oh, 20 hour days, we didn't easily. stop to, we didn't have time to stop and think, gee, this is a significant thing happening. It was just like, we're, we're doing this yeah. app cast and then we've got to put this on and social. Then every now and then one of those thoughts would cross your mind. Like, this is crazy. This is crazy. This is historic. You yeah. Know? But we were just like kind of just powering through, um, mm -hmm. trying to figure out where we were going to, if we were going to trek it back to the hotel or if like we could make it home. Cause like one time I was like, I have to go home. I don't have any more clothes. Like that, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, so I think we were just like, powering and just trying to do our jobs to the best of our abilities. And then like months later, someone asked me about it. And I think it was like summer. So yeah. it was just hot. And uh, and I was like, yeah, that was a very significant event. Right. Like we may work one or two more things like that in our – In our lifetime. Yeah. Um. But it was just so – and that's what I think when people have approached us, especially in the past few months, like, I, you know, I'm really nervous about this upcoming winter. Is that going to happen again? I always just try to reiterate with statistics, like what we were talking about, how rare this was. It's a one was. in 30-year event. Yeah. Um, and then a Texas-wide thing, I would say one in 50-year event. Yeah. You know, and then we can't – so the short answer is, is it going to happen – this year? No. That's the short answer. You know, as scientists, we don't like to, to speak in 100% certainties, <laughs> but it's like 99.9% this is not going to happen yeah. then this year. And I'd like to point out too, it was not just us as meteorologists that were working hard oh, during yeah. this the event. We've got our podcast producer, Alyssa, here, and she was working her tail off during that event too, as well as our photographers, our anchors, our producers, oh, yeah. everyone, and the community was working in overdrive too. The food bank was working in overdrive yeah. to get people food. It would just, it's one of those things where you come together as a community when tragedy strikes. Yeah. And the the first responders that were trying to get to Oh my gosh. People, I can't even imagine. It was it, just, yeah. I mean, and yeah, that kind of goes back to you wanted to give people good news. Like, hey, this is going to be over soon. But we really did just, we all had to power through basically a week of not Great. Poop. Yeah. <laughs> it was really bad. But uh, again, we do not anticipate no. another winter storm like this for quite some time. And, you know, the science of meteorology has just improved vastly in the last five, 10 years. Mm -hmm. So it's just going to get better and better and better. And we're going to be able to predict these events further and further out in time. But again, yeah. I want to know what y'all's perspective was on the winter storm, how you fared through it. You can let us know on that uh, prompt on our weather page and or whatever the weather page. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Katie? I was just going to say these were a lot of numbers that we we threw at you. Um, so we're going to have all, visual well, aids. Well, we had some great pre-existing 
weather articles yes. about this event, um, one of which I know Justin Horn, meteorologist Justin Horn, put together. And that was really well done. Um, so you can find those. But in this article for the podcast where you can watch online if you want, we'll have the numbers out and links to those pre-existing articles. And then, yes, a prompt for you to ask a question or share your experience with us. Cool. Alyssa, is there anything else we should chat about? Alyssa. Alyssa. Alyssa does a lot, y'all. I got to sing every episode. That was my song. It was just for you, girl. All right. So remember, (laughs) even during the winter storm, to weather weather the weather, weather, whatever the weather. Alyssa. Thanks for listening to Whatever the Weather. You can listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts. Plus, if you want to watch the video, you can find that on KSAT's podcast page, YouTube, and the KSAT TV app on your Roku, Amazon Fire Stick, Apple, or Smart TV.